Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. Make sure to text WNRG to 239-355 to have episodes sent straight to your mobile every Thursday morning. And we always want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts in our Buzz Group, WNRG Podcast Series, or by tagging us. So you briefly touched on it by trying to encourage your associates to take their well-being time. Do you have any other tips or things that you like to try to implement to really make your your associates that are out in the field or work at home to make them feel engaged and part of the team? Do you have any advice or mm-hmm. tips on that? Sure. I um, They need to talk to each other. Uh, they need to find a buddy on the team. Um, I know when I was a field care manager, as a social worker, um, I lacked some of the clinical knowledge that my um, – nurse cohorts had and so we would and then they would lack some of the maybe community resource knowledge that I had so we partnered and I had uh, my friend Carla Tabor I don't know if you're still out there but Carla Tabor was my nurse partner um, and we called each other and we talked to each other and we stayed connected that way Um, and she was always helping me with you know all of the one million acronyms that nurses use that I have no idea what any of them mean and I I would just send her a list and say interpret this for me and then she would do the same for me. So um, it, it, really finding somebody who, finding a, a friend, a partner who you really can bounce ideas off of and stay connected with. I think it's um, important to take the time to speak up on team meetings and share your successes and also the things that are not going so well because somebody might have a solution to your problem, but if you don't speak up and talk about it, nobody knows, right? So um, I think it's really important to um to to stay connected that way and also i you know i not everybody feels they have the time to do this but one of the ways that i stay connected to other people in humana is through buzz and I kind of rediscovered Buzz recently, and I love dogs. And I'm on the Dog Lovers Buzz group. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It makes me so happy during the day to be able to see cute dog pictures. Amen to that. I love it. So, you know, finding something if you're not into dogs, you know, there's a Cat Lovers. There's um, a foodie group. There are uh, There's a Star Wars and a Star Trek group. There are... Um, video game groups, a ton, like anything you can imagine, sewing, um, uh, uh, gardening, makeup group. Exactly. So if you, if you have an interest, there's very likely to be a group on buzz. Um, but there are also, um, work support groups there. So there is a field care manager, uh, group where people I've seen just in the past week, people posting, Um, here's an additional resource for people with diabetics, or here is some new research that came out that can help people with this condition. So it's a a great way to stay connected um, if you can't have that face-to-face interaction with people. How do the field care managers continue to grow and develop and to learn from one another? And and as an example, I think of my my mom that I care for with uh, my siblings, and um, she's a little apprehensive when the field care managers want to come visit. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of us has to be present. That's how apprehensive she is. 
Um, so how do you kind of break through that? I mean, how do you, uh, what kind of development classes are, are where your field care managers are learning new techniques and, and tactics so when they do sit down with my mom and one of my siblings or myself that they really allow her to feel it's all about value-based care. Mm-hmm. You know, we, sure. we, we care about you. It's not that we're trying to see, oh, are you taking care of everything you're supposed to be taking care of medically and 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 et cetera. So mm-hmm. how do they how do they learn that skill? So we have uh, we do train them in motivational interviewing and how to um, communicate with people who are resistant to um, making changes in their lives. Um, it really has you have to start where the member is mm-hmm. and and meet them at their level. Um, we also have, uh, we're expanding program disease-specific best practices. It's in a pilot phase right now. But that really uh, gives the care managers very member-specific information about their conditions and the gaps that exist that can help the member achieve uh, better health. Um, and educating the members uh, or the care managers on that will help them um, target their discussions with members so that the members will hopefully be able to see that value. Medication adherence is one of the main reasons that members are hospitalized, lack of medication adherence. And through all of the disease-specific best practices, adherence to medications to treat the disease is, is commonly a gap that members don't understand the importance of taking their medication and how it can help them um, with the symptoms of the disease. And so if a, if a care manager knows that a person is diabetic and is not taking medication that can help control the diabetes, they can go into the home and help educate the member on the disease state um, how taking the medication can help. What are the barriers to getting the medication? Is it cost? Is it that you didn't even know you were supposed to be on this medication? You never talked to your doctor about it. Let's help facilitate those discussions. So really helping the member to understand that, that the care manager is there to advocate for them and to help them remove those barriers uh, to self-care uh, and really empower them to, to take control of their own health. And, and I think to your question, what the care managers do, to they build trust. Mm-hmm. So they usually want to close gaps for something that is most important to the member. So a lot of times that's financial. So I can't really educate you on diabetes if you can't afford your medication mm-hmm. or if you're paying for your medication but you can't afford food. So they're really going to triage what's most important to the member, help to build the trust, and then that member is going to be more likely to listen to why you need to take your medication, mm-hmm. you know, why it's good for you. Because, you know, you, we've had the opportunity to sit and kind of be a part in these ride-alongs with care managers. And one of my favorite parts is the the trust that, that it's between the care manager and the member. I mean, as a third party watching it, you're like, man, this is awesome. You know, like you can tell the member so grateful that there's somebody there advocating on their behalf. And so I think that answers your question, too, just in that it's, it's, a, it's a trust builder thing. It's knowing that I'm there because I truly care about your well-being. And sure. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of, that's what I wanted to hear as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just and I have to share with um, my mother that it's all for the right reasons that mm-hmm. they're there. It may not be the same one every time. So we're kind of rehashing. But at the same time, they're there to care. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Absolutely. So I have a question for you. I'm excited to ask this one. But, you know, there's a lot of times in our career where opportunities come up 
that we are passed over for one Mm -hmm. reason or another. Um, And I think in retrospect, we can usually see the reasons why that occurred. But in the moment, it's sometimes harder to process. So can you share about a time in your career where you were passed over for an opportunity? Um, What was your reaction at the time? What did you learn? What what advice can you give to people who who may have similar experience? Mm -hmm. I've been passed over for so many opportunities, it's hard to pick one to share. But one in particular comes to mind where uh, it not at Humana, but when I was working at social services, there was that one single position that opened up that 100 people applied for. Um, and my very close friend and coworker and I were the, the two people, the last two people who were being interviewed, and she got the job. You know, she had more experience than I had. Um, you know, she, she was 10 years older than me, had more experience than I had. Um, had more tenure at social services, so it seemed logical that she would be the person. And it, it stung a little to, to be rejected, at even knowing that it just made sense that she would be the person who would move into that role. Um, but that probably is the last time that I actually kind of felt um, that sense of rejection from um, not being hired for something. I, I always look at it that... Um, it's an opportunity for me, but it's also an opportunity for hundreds or thousands of other people too. And it's the responsibility of that person who's doing the hiring. They know what they're looking for. Um, And there's no need for me to try to trick them into thinking that I'm the right person, right? If I'm not the right person, I don't want to be there. Um, So, you know, my advice is just to be yourself and to know what you bring to the table um, and feel confident in your abilities and know that if you weren't chosen for the position, it wasn't it it wasn't right for you. Um, It doesn't mean that you couldn't have done the job and wouldn't have done a great job. It isn't really about that. It's about finding the right fit. Um, Lots and lots and lots of people can do the job. But are you going to be the right person for the personality of the person who's hiring for the rest of the team? You don't know the team dynamics in there, and maybe you wouldn't be the right fit for the team. Or maybe you have the same thing that everybody else on the team has, and they're looking for something a different skill set to bring some diversity to the team. So um, you just have to not take it personally um, and know that, you know, the right opportunity will present itself. It doesn't mean you shouldn't keep going after them. You should keep looking for new opportunities and applying for jobs and going on interviews, even if you think that uh, you're not going to get it. it. It's good experience. Absolutely. And that is a good tip. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's going to be a takeaway because even to go out there yeah. and, and subject yourself to yep. other opportunities, how much can you, you can learn so much from that? You can. And if you do it when you're in a position where you don't need another job Mm -hmm. and you're not really looking, you can put yourself out there authentically Mm -hmm. um, and remove all of that sense of I need this and sense of urgency and just be yourself. And, you know, you don't have anything to lose. All you can do is gain experience from it. So again, a success story. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of went through that whole process just recently, did like two months of, of interviewing and everything. And I, I had reached out to Carmen and Tara both before. And the Tara just told me, 
just be yourself. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that was the best advice that anyone I think has ever given me because I was so much more confident and calm Mm -hmm. in in my interview that I I was open to the experience and to the opportunity. So I, I cannot further say that yes just you know you need to be yourself and if if it's not the right time or the right fit or the right next step it, then it's not right. but you will you'll overcome that obstacle and mm-hmm. then you know land your the dream position or land that that next thing so yeah success story about that so. yeah that's great yeah and then i think the the beauty of patience too and realizing that's right in, in mm-hmm. retrospect i can look back and see opportunities that were not a good fit and see how it opened up a door to a good fit so I think that and that just comes with time and I think just being in the industry or the or business in general and, and realizing um, it, it'll come it does and it and, always does and patience is a lot lot harder to go through at the time but like from someone that applied for like 12 different roles and then didn't even get a phone interview to, mm-hmm. to then waiting two months to hear back and yeah so it it'll happen everyone just be patient Human is an awesome big business there's tons yeah. of opportunities out there and that's i just want to say about the patience that's really important and um don't be discouraged you you can't the answer's always going to be no if you don't pursue something right you're never going to get it so just don't be afraid of pursuing the things that you want um and if you get rejected that's okay just keep moving forward it's and you yeah. and you as a leader saying that it just is more encouraging for folks that are not not necessarily looking for the next mm-hmm. role but are is interested in seeing what there is and the opportunity that may be yep. because it may be that one next step and what did i hear recently i think it was jody jody building who said this um it's best to repair the roof when the sun is shining yeah so that's right in other words don't wait till you're oh, Desperate. In the worst place. Yeah. Instead, go out there when it's okay. Yeah, that's right. I was, I was talking to a mentor just this week, and we were talking about roles and opportunities. And she said, well, uh, you know, how's it going in your role now? She's like, you know, almost expecting me to be like, oh, I need to get out of there. You know, I'm like, no, actually, I, I do really love it. You know, so I love that because it's true. You can you can be a lot more like um, probably I think of the right word. Just cognizant and aware mm-hmm. of the opportunity when you're not feeling stressed and pressured that mm-hmm. you must leave and you're, I don't know. It's a so much calmer experience yeah. altogether. All and I, I want to quote Beth Bierbau right now because I have it on a sticky note. No means like not now. Oh, yeah. right. And so anytime something like kind of bad, I get like, you know, had that email like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm like, oh. you know, I try to be like, oh, no means not now. Mm-hmm. And it'll happen. So. Yep, that's right. You know, what's a story you don't get to tell often enough? I love to tell stories. And I think one of the things that I realized from telling stories is how much other people pick up. Like, you might say something by telling your story that is the one thing that somebody needed to hear to motivate them. Um, And I used to tell the story, I haven't told it in a long time, about how I got through graduate school. So it, it took me seven years to get my master's degree. So you talk about patience and perseverance. I had it. Um, And uh, I did it part-time, and I did it online. Because when I started, I was a a single mom. My daughter was – I have to count how old she – so she would have been like four years old. Let's just say she was four years old. Um, So I scheduled my classes at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning and 9.30 on Friday night. 
so that I knew she'd be in bed and I could take the classes uninterrupted. And I lost some sleep over it. I mean, it's not that big a deal, though. It just was something that I needed to do. Uh, And I worked really hard at it. And I, you know, going from uh, a BSW, bachelor's degree in social work, to an MBA, that was a pretty big gap there in learning. Uh, So I had to learn a lot of things that, that a lot of the people who were in that program already knew because their undergraduate degrees were already in business. So... Uh, you know, diligently kept pushing forward and kept pushing forward. And I and finally, the the final uh, paper was due, um, the research paper, and I put it off and put it off and, and finally scheduled a trip to Disney in August, which is a terrible idea for anybody who knows anything <laughs> about Florida. Um, I don't know what I was thinking, but we scheduled the trip to Disney in August, and I started writing the paper in May, and I said, if it's not done by August, whatever, 20th, I don't get to go. And I had a backup plan. My sister was going to go instead. And she was very disappointed that she didn't get to go because I did uh, finish the paper, but I needed to set that goal for myself. So I told that story a couple of times, and I've had um, two people come back to me and say that they were motivated enough to go back to school. They felt like they didn't have the time that you know their family was a priority and that they just didn't feel like they could make the sacrifices they needed to make to go back to school to get their master's degree and i had at least two and now i think of a third person who told me that just my telling them that story motivated them enough to go back to school so that's good that's awesome yeah that's a great story thank you lynn for your time and and you're welcome being here with us in the studio and uh, we look forward to talking to you again all right thanks for inviting me thank you sure And that's it for this episode. Make sure to text WNRG to 239-355 so you can catch us next week. This podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We also want to thank you for spending time with us this week. And we always want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts in our Buzz group, WNRG podcast series, or by tagging us. We couldn't do this without you. Until next time, be intentional. Stay curious and inspire others.